Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Well, hello there. Welcome to you, beauty. This is Mamma Mia's podcast for your face. I'm Kelly McCarran and it is Thursday, which is Spotlight Day. So I take a good old deep dive on something I think that you'll find super interesting in beauty land. And if you have a suggestion, don't forget to email us at youbeauty at mummamia.com.au. And while I'm giving you helpful instructions, can I helpfully ask you to rate and review us on the Apple podcast? Because we love to see the positive feedback, please. No negative. Anyway, today we're going to be chatting about Brazilian butt lifts or a BBL, as they're commonly referred to, because it's a very pervy subject that fits into the beauty land category, and I, myself, am absolutely fascinated by them. They look so painful and just so intense. Brazilian butt lifts are one of the more controversial plastic surgery procedures on the market, namely because they do carry a higher risk than others. And also there's a huge market of influencers and celebrities who have had one, but don't admit it, which is really annoying and kind of gaslights everyone because then the rest of us mere mortals are like, oh, we're going to buy their workout plans and get a butt just like them. But like, lol, it's full of fat that was sucked out of different areas. But I haven't had a BBL, nor would I get one because I got a lot of junk in my trunk personally. So I reached out on the internet and found a lovely lass willing to share her experience. But first, please note that we're discussing a surgical procedure that like all elective surgeries carries risk. It is not something that should be taken lightly. And this podcast is not encouraging plastic surgery, simply providing insight and one person's personal experience. Before I get into our interview, I'm going to explain quickly what a BBL involves. Basically, a BBL starts with liposuction, where a surgeon sucks the fat out of the areas in the body, then processes it and re-injects it into the buttocks and hip area. So whatever area someone wants more fullness. The area of plant liposuction and the outline of plant fat grafting are marked before surgery. So as you can imagine, it's not just like the liposuction, it's also then putting it back in. So it's just a very intense surgery. It's kind of like a few surgeries in one. Once the patient is positioned on the operating room table face down, obviously, and under anesthesia, the liposuction is performed in the desired areas, then the fat is collected in a very specialized system that separates live fat cells from the liposuction fluid, which I didn't even know existed, but wild, makes sense. The fat is then injected into the marked areas of the butt. The procedure requires a few very small incision, so it actually doesn't leave any huge big scars. And the results are a rounder, perkier, fuller-looking, derry, a nussy, buttocks, whatever you like to call them. Now, the lovely lass in question who is chatting with us today 
is Samantha Bidinost. She's a 28-year-old female from the Gold Coast who is 15 weeks post-op and joining us today. So, Sam, I want to know about your relationship with your body prior to having a BBL. So I've had rhinoplasty, which is a nose job, just a fancy word for a nose job, and a boob job. And they were both things that I've wanted since I was a teen because like, I had a nose that I felt was really big and boobies that I felt were too small. So tell me about your relationship with your body. Like, did you always want a bigger butt? Is it something you feel maybe social media exacerbated in a way? I did go to boarding school. So I lived with 300 other girls and that was 24 seven. So when you're living with girls like that, you do start to compare yourself. You know, everyone's obviously made differently. And that's, I guess, where it started. Pretty much I am built very athletically, flat chest, flat bum, straight up and down, no curves, no hips, nothing. I was a swimmer, so I was just very muscly and just a lean bean, really. So when I came back to the Gold Coast from boarding school, the Gold Coast, it's um, it's very Instagram. It's the fake eyelashes, it's the fake tan, it's the nails. And then Tammy Hembrow, she's a local here on the Gold Coast who took off and became famous because of her bum. And then that started basically like after the Kardashians and everything like that, everyone wanted to have a bum. So I too have had my boobs done. I was less than an A cup. I actually had no breast tissue. I had that done two years ago and it was something that I had always wanted done. And to be honest, I miss my small boobs. Really? Yep. And I'm a double D now and I would happily get smaller implants just to have like enough to look like, you know, I've got a little bit of boob, but it's not, you know, in your face. I mean, they're not in your face now, but they just feel too much. But getting my bum done, that was like a dream come true. It's one thing of plastic surgery that I am so ecstatic that I did. It's just given me so much more confidence. It's given me curves. Like I fill out things now like skirts. Skirts are made for girls that have like a little bit of hip and a smaller waist. I never had the smaller waist. My waist was always a size bigger than what my hips were. So I always had to size up, which made my hip area in clothing look baggy. And now I can fill everything out and be a normal size. So, I mean, it's definitely made me more confident. But in saying that, I do want a rhinoplasty. I do want to keep... uh, There's a slippery slope. Yeah. And I mean, you really do have to uh, put in, you know, all the effort into researching and everything because there are so many dodgy people out there, like, you know, taking advantage of people like this. And especially BBLs, it's actually one of the most deadly plastic surgeries that you can have. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest problems with it is that, I mean, you're 28, so you were mature enough and educated enough. Not that younger people aren't, but I just feel like there's so many 20-year-olds say that think, oh, I want a BBL, but maybe they're not in the right financial position. So then they'll go to, what are they called? Like a chop shop, which is basically yeah. <laughs> like a dodgy place that does cheap surgeries. And that's why they're just so dangerous because it's like you're having a surgery. You don't want to skimp out on it. A hundred percent. And I have a lot of friends that got their boobs done as soon as they turned 18. But the thing was, they got a personal loan for that. So as soon as they turned 18, they were in 10 to 15 grand in debt. BBLs are by no means cheap. They are not something that you can just shop around for and get the cheapest price. It doesn't work like that. And I think that's where so many people go wrong is because this is probably one of the plastic surgeries that you really do need to pay for, like full price. 100%. Yeah. 
How do you go about like getting a new butt? Tell me about the research process. Like how did you choose your doctor? Was it just someone you felt really comfortable with? So I had actually decided probably four or five years ago when I first heard about the BBL that, yes, I need this surgery. I have to have it. Saw the price tag and I was like, oh, you know what? I don't really need it right now. (laughs) But when I was financially able to do it, there was a very prominent cosmetic surgeon. He is in Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, Western Australia, and went and had a uh, meeting with him and his nurse and they were lovely very straightforward you know there was no beating around the bush you know I told him kind of what I wanted and then he was feeling around he was like right I'm going to take it from here here and here and here and this is what's going to give you the best outcome I said I didn't want to have a huge ass I just wanted something that looked natural and he was like yep no I'm not going to do that to you I don't like doing that and for him to say that I think that, you know, made me feel way more comfortable is because he wasn't going into it being like, oh, I'm going to like get such a big change from her. Like I'll, you know, try and make it like she has a big ass type thing. Like he really worked with me to keep it as natural looking as possible. And now when I tell people like, oh, I've actually had a BBL. I'm like, my bum is my fat from my stomach. And people are like, oh, you would never have known. You know, I felt like Dr. Wells, he actually listened to me and he understood that I really didn't want to go bigger. And that was pretty much what cemented it. I mean, also the fact that there aren't a lot of surgeons who perform these surgeries in Australia yet. So that also plays a big factor whether you were going to go overseas or stay in Australia for it. Which isn't really something that you can do. I mean, I guess now you can as of like the last couple of weeks, but it wasn't something that would have been an option even a month ago. Yeah, the downtime is crazy. It's, you know, they say six weeks for healing, but I'm... 15 weeks now and I'm still healing. I can't side sleep still because it's still a bit too painful. And my waist, I can't have any like tight hugs or anything like that because my nerves are all still healing. So it really is, you know, a longer, it's a longer process than six weeks. And I probably got to sit down normally. Like I didn't sit down, (laughs) I didn't get to sit down the toilet and pee until probably about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. That's wild. So you're just like squatting over the toilet. No, for anyone that is looking to or is booked in to get their BBL, buy a Shiwi. It'll be an absolute lifesaver, best investment ever, you know, because you don't want to be taking your garment on and off because you're so bruised and sore and you don't want to be maneuvering the fat because it needs to get a blood supply for it to be able to stick because you do lose a lot of the fat. You pee it out for the fat that doesn't get a blood supply. So they'll overfill you with fat because they know that you'll lose, I think it's like up to 40% of the fat that they oh, wow. you. I mean, you can't really wear tight clothes either straight after that six-week mark. Like gym clothes, that's a no-go. Because here's another thing as well. Where you've had lipo, it indents. So I had a body board, which is just like this kind of flat board to keep everything in shape. And it had their logo, but it was like a 3D version of the logo. And it would imprint into my skin and then have to be massaged oh. out. So anything tight, it actually imprints into your skin because after lipo, your skin is quite thin from, you know, all the healing and all the fat that's just been taken out. So you can't be wearing tight clothing straight after your six weeks. You've got to do that gradually. And when you see like that, your body's kind of ready to take that on. I actually saw she was also a Gold Coast girl on TikTok and she was like having to fatten herself up prior to the surgery, which I didn't even realize. Like, 
she was trying to gain weight because she didn't have enough fat to use. Is that something that you had to do? I thought that that was just so interesting. Like I never would have considered that. I wasn't told that I had to. I think I had enough fat, but at the same time, when you're spending that much money, you want to make sure that you have ample amount of fat so that you don't have to go back. So from the day that I booked my surgery in and paid my deposit, it was a free for all. I actually went over (laughs) to New Zealand as well. And I can tell you now I was eating as if food was going to go, you know, wasn't going to get into Australia and we're going to be stuck and starving. I'd eat like a six pack of donuts and still be going after that. And that was like a daily occurrence. So I'd probably put on about six to seven kilos before my surgery. And you know what the crazy thing is? I actually only weighed myself about four days ago post-surgery. And I thought my normal weight was always about 68 to 72 kilos. And I went into my surgery at about 80 kilos, 82 kilos, and weighed myself four days ago. And you wouldn't believe that I actually still weigh 80 kilos. Oh, my goodness. You're probably still really swollen. I am still like heavily bruised in my torso area and I will probably lose another dress size, but it's just crazy because I'm like, oh my God, now I know exactly how heavy my ass is. Yeah. And also it goes to show that the scale actually means nothing when it comes to how you're feeling and what you see in the mirror and how your clothes fit. Speaking of body image, talk to me about the emotional side of surgery. So how did you feel in the days leading up to the procedure? Were you nervous? Were you sad? I was pumped. You could not get me in there fast enough. So I think because I've wanted this so desperately for so long, you know, I was teased about my bum as well, right up until I even got the surgery. So you could not have got me in there fast enough. I did watch a lot of YouTube from Americans that had got it done to try and get a general idea. And you kind of just got to mentally prepare. I think the biggest thing that people struggle with is that you actually need to mentally prepare that one, your body's not going to look the same and it's going to be so swollen, so bruised. You just need to trust the process. It was actually so hard at some times because you're just like, oh my God, am I going backwards? But then a week later, you'd be looking better than you did two weeks ago. So it's a bit of backwards and forth when you're healing and you really, like that's the best advice I can give is trust the process because, you know, I'm still trusting the process and it generally does take up to six months to see what your somewhat final result will be. So even because Mm. after six weeks you can sit down again and move around, it doesn't mean you're at your final result. So the biggest thing is trusting the process. And I mean, your body goes through a lot. And, you know, one thing that I did have a friend tell me She was like, your vagina, it'll go black. And I was like, what? And she was like, no, trust me, it's just bruising and it'll swell up, but just don't get worried if that happens. And I kind of laughed it up. And then sure enough, a week post-surgery, it happened to me. And I just started laughing at myself. I was, you know, it's just things that you don't think will happen that do happen. Yeah, that's wild. Like, it's not like you would read about that in the research leading up to it. (laughs) No, 100%. I mean, your legs, even if you haven't had work done there or like any lipo done there, they'll bruise up anyway. Big thing, if you've got fillers, I've got a bit of cheek filler and tear trough filler. And when your body goes through something that's very intense, the filler will react. It's not in all people, but in most people it will. And my face for weeks, every morning, it would be swollen shut. And that was just a reaction because it's a foreign body that your body is trying to react to because it's trying to heal everything. So 
yeah, I mean, if you're full of filler, then just be prepared that your face probably will swell up day in and day out. Massaging your face to try and move all the fluid is what helps best. But yeah, my face like would be so swollen that my eyes would be swollen shut. Oh my goodness. And the thing is, is that I think a lot of people, you just think of the surgery and the lead up and then the results, but recovery is the biggest, I would say the biggest part of any surgical procedure. So what were you told it would be like and how did that compare to what it was actually like? Like give us all of the details about recovery because I had a look at your pictures and my God, you looked sore. (laughs) Well, I have a broken back. So my pain tolerance is actually quite high. Oh my God, it must be. Yeah. My girlfriend who had hers done, she's 10, 12 weeks ahead of me. She struggled. She struggled big time and she was taking pain relief after pain relief to try and help the pain. I actually felt just stiff. Like it wasn't so much as like, you know, incredible pain or anything like that. It was like a body ache that just wouldn't go away, especially like when you were getting up and down. I think it was more because they don't actually sew your cut lines shut. They just leave them there. Like they leave them open. They have to close on their own. So I counted that I had about 22 incision sites. So that's probably like the most painful part because when you're moving, the skin is trying to knit together, but then it's probably being pulled back open depending on how you Mm. move. And don't they use them to like drain fluid out or is that not with every surgery? That's not with every surgery. So I didn't have any drains. It also depends how big you are as a person going in and how much fat you're actually having to take. I had tumescent liposuction, which is basically where the rod goes in and it's sucking out all the fat and it's leaving a saline in that hole. So you basically have track marks, which, you know, I actually still have and I get weekly massages to keep them healing and keep pushing out all the fluid. So people that have a lot of lipo done, then they probably need those drains. But pain-wise, look, I actually had a worse off time with my boobs. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) My (laughs) boobs were harder for me than what my ass was. Wow. But because you can't, like, to get home, you've got to, like, lie on your front in a car, don't you? Yep. So six weeks, no sitting on your ass or like you can't lay on your back. You can't lay on your sides. It's just solely on your stomach where you're standing. And I will tell you, like you do get over that and it does get sore because you're not used to doing it. So you do bruise. And do you sleep? Oh, I didn't sleep for probably about four weeks. My back gave me a lot of trouble and because I Of course, if it's broken as well. Well, is it still broken? Yeah, I have rods and screws that take up about half of my back. So my L3 is just in pieces, so it can't ever stand on its own again. So I have rods and screws that hold that together. So that's where a lot of my pain came from was my back. I would actually say like the BBL really isn't a painful thing. I've actually got another girl that I know. She's actually had two done by the same surgeon as me and she's got a one-year-old and she looks like she comes out of it with flying colors every time. But I would definitely say if you have kids, you need help. You 100% need help at least for the first two weeks. I would say even, I mean, obviously I haven't had a BBL, but like with any plastic surgery or any surgery, you need help regardless afterwards. Of course you can do it, but it just helps. Yeah, 100% because you really, I think you really do have to worry about your healing. Otherwise you're going to end up losing too much fat because you've knocked it or, you know, you've run into something or you just don't want to risk it because you don't want to have to go through that again. And is there anything else that you think that listeners 
need to know or like, you know, whether or not they're just curious or they are actually interested in the procedure, anything that you haven't mentioned yet that you want people to know? I think the biggest thing, and that's what I'm seeing now, is people just going and finding any old silly doctor because they can give them all these promises and whatnot. And girls, boys, even if they're wanting to get it done, which they do, just research thoroughly into your doctor. That's the biggest advice that I can give purely because it is such a dangerous surgery. You know, if they inject fat into your bloodstream and it goes to your lungs, that's it. You know, like that's how easily it is to so scary. be a fatal surgery. So it's not for the faint hearted, but the, the confidence that it will give you is ridiculous. If it is something that you've really wanted and it's not just a nitpicking type thing, then I'd 100% go for it. It's just make sure that you do your research. Mm, I completely agree. Always do your research. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of You Beauty and thank you to the delightful Samantha for joining me. We'll pop her handle in the show notes in case you'd like to reach out to her or follow her BBL journey. And if you don't want to miss a single episode of You Beauty Daily, make sure you're following us wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you just want more Mamma Mia in your life, come and visit us on the Mamma Mia app. Just by reading or listening to our content, you're helping to fund girls in schools in some of the most disadvantaged countries in the world through our partnership with Room to Read. We're currently funding 300 girls in school every day and our aim is to get to 1,000. Bye!